This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. So contact us today by visiting likeable.com. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I am Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am so excited to be here with Lori Feldman. Lori Feldman is the global head of social media for Cigna, responsible for enterprise social media marketing initiatives, as well as those in support of markets and segments. She joined the company in 2012 as head of social networking and digital strategy for Cigna International. Previously, Lori spent 12 years at Citigroup, most recently as the head of branded and social media marketing for their transactions services business. In this role, Lori was responsible for the editorial planning, creative development, and deployment of branded content, platforms, and social media programs. Before joining City, Lori spent seven years as a marketing and creative services consultant with a broad global client base, including firms in pharma healthcare, technology, shipping, publishing, and e-business sectors. Before her consultancy work, Lori held a variety of marketing and advertising management positions at Gannett Newspapers, YM Magazine, CBS Fox Video, and Rolling Stone. So Lori has a wealth of experience to share with us today, but I will share with you my favorite fun fact about Lori, which is that she is the co-founder of Connecticut-based theater group Two Turkeys Productions and enjoys performing improv and sketch comedy when she is not performing marketing. So welcome, Lori. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's awesome to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And tell me a little bit of your story. You've got this really fabulous history in marketing, and then you also have all of this excitement around improv. Tell me a little bit of your story, of your beginning of your career, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, it's a uh, it's a it's a bit of a showbiz story. Um, I love a showbiz moving, story. Mo- moving a bit from showbiz to the business world, but um, I uh, studied theater in in university. Um, I planned on being an actor. Um, what I didn't plan on was unemployment and lack of money and security. Yep. And uh, while I was still a bit of a struggling actor, I had a job as a receptionist at an ad agency. And I viewed that as an acting role. Like, I didn't know anything about business or advertising, but I played the part of the world's most helpful receptionist and most cheerily answered the phone. And my cheeriness kind of paid off as they started giving me more and more stuff to do that was not related to to greeting clients at, at the front desk. And uh, kind of along that same time, it dawned on me that I just might not be cut out for the actor's lifestyle, that I, 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 wanted, I wanted a career and, and I wanted a paycheck and benefits and all of that good stuff. So I, I took advantage of the fact that they were giving me 
more and more responsibility and uh, found myself um, moving up the, the the ranks within the agency. And after a few years, uh, was an account coordinator. Um, and from there, uh, started to get different jobs, moving onward and upward. That's when I went to the home video company. So that's back in the 80s when there were home video companies. <laughs> uh, so really dating myself. Um, and I found that the world of marketing and advertising and creative services was as close as I could get to being a performer because I still felt that there was an awful lot of opportunity for creativity. Um, there were clearly opportunities for, for someone who loves to talk in front of people, to stand up in front of a room and, and give a presentation. And there was an opportunity for someone that loved coming up with ideas to have her ideas heard um, and having it uh, have some significance to a business. And so very slowly and surely, I guess, over the years, I, I started to become more of a, of a marketer with a creative background as opposed to a creative person that was pretending to be a receptionist. I love that because I feel like many marketers, you know, had a some form of love of theater or skill set in that space. That, that completely resonates with me. It's really, really interesting. And do you think that having that skill set and, and being unafraid to perform and having that sort of experience helps in marketing as, as you grow in your career and in, in business? I think that having a um, a bit of a theatrical bent or or having any kind of love of any of the arts, I think is very helpful for marketers in, in, in a couple of ways. One is I think that marketers, regardless of whether you're a direct-to-consumer or B2B or you work in an agency or on the client side, I think marketers really have to be sort of renaissance people and um, very intellectually curious and aware of what's going on in the world, much the same way an actor has to be pretty mindful of, of things around him or her to develop characters or to understand the history of, of a person that they're playing. And I, and I think that marketers, um, by nature, um, in, in, in order to do an effective job, really need to understand all aspects of the world around you. So understanding the business part or understanding marketing strategy or understanding the trends in your industry, that, of course, is really important. But understanding how it all fits into the world around you, particularly now, um, as the world around us is, has shrunken and, and the connectivity is, has gotten so, you know, intense, that I really think that um, a marketer taking an artist's view of the world um, and being able to capture that into what he or she is working on as a, as a product or service to, to get the word out really is integral into our toolkit. And so tell me a little bit about now you, you are at Cigna, Mm-hmm. And as global head of social media. So tell me a little bit about how you're using social media at Sigma. Well, we are looking at social media in a way that, that I like to think of not just as, as leveraging it as a channel, but on a path to actually become a social business mm. in that as social media has evolved in, in just the, the 10 years that it's been around, we see the adoption of social as a you know a marketing 
tool, as as a way to promote brand, um, as a way to support uh, uh, corporate communications, and 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 I think many brands have, are are moving along in that in that journey. What we like to think at Cigna is that social media is pervasive and ubiquitous, and it's basically going to start touching every person that we deal with, every every customer, um, regardless of what area of the organization is interacting with them. So whether it's customer service or whether it's sales, whether it's, you know, brand and, and PR, all of those different touch points are going to be in the social ecosystem. And so I think our approach has been, how do we, you know, uh, kickstart the journey? How do we develop a, you know, sort of a roadmap, if you will? And, and how do we get the business as a whole to start to take advantage of the incredible ways that social media enables you to get closer to your customers, to provide better service, and, and to get them the information that they need when they need it? And is that challenging being that you're in this kind of regulated industry of healthcare? Does, does that present challenges or have you found ways to kind of get around that? I think having come from a dozen years at, at City yeah. um, and sort of accepting that there are certain parameters in a regulated industry, and so I've moved from one to another, I, I don't take it as an obstacle. I take it as there are certain, uh, you know, do's and don'ts that, that go with being a regulated industry. Um, I have very close partnerships with my peeps in legal and compliance. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, you know, we make sure that we are in sync as, as we go on this journey. So all the appropriate guidelines in place, all the appropriate processes, um, people get you know the the training that they need to 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 make sure that all is is uh, it, it being adhered to. So I I don't think that's an obstacle. I think it's just part of our job. Exactly. And so tell me about some of the great things that you guys have done in social. I know you guys have a a YouTube channel and a bunch of really great multimedia stuff, some gamification stuff. Tell me what you're proudest of. Well, I think it's it, it, all of those things. Uh, proud of definitely uh, love them all. All, love all the of things. our channels. Yes. Um, I'll start with one that's a very specific channel. We launched our two Hispanic social media marketing channels this year. We have a, a Twitter handle and a Facebook page that is in Spanish. And we are really delighted with the uptake, um, organic growth in the, in the, in the channels has been really exceptional. We did a couple of um, events this year, um, a couple of sponsorships that we were able to promote uh, via these channels. But more importantly, we've been starting to get very important health and wellness information out to this market in their local language. And we're, we're the, the the uptake has has really been. 
um, awesome and uh, really seeing a lot more opportunity to provide better content to that market in 2015. So I think that, that if I look back uh, my year in review, I think that's one of the areas that I'm that I'm really pleased that we were able to get kicked off. We uh, launched a new brand campaign in 2014. Um, so Cigna has, uh, you may see their Together All the Way uh, yes. commercials out there. Yes. And um, we re- uh, I guess relaunched about 18 different uh, social pages in order to uh, ensure that we transition from our our previous campaign to the current one. Yep. And the um, the engagement and the conversation has really been positive. There's there's you know I I think I think conversation is what probably makes me the happiest when when I look at any of the channels. Is you know I know we're or feel pretty confident that we're we're creating and publishing decent content. But when we see the conversation, when we see the shares, when we see the likes and, and whatnot, that's when we know that we've, you know, we've hit on something. And I think in September after we had the new brand launch, and we saw the increase in conversation. Uh, that was a that was a happy moment, and I did a happy dance then. And you mentioned, you know, that the likes and shares, and when you know your content is really good, and when when it's worthy of kind of that engagement, is that kind of how you're measuring social today, or do you have more of a process in terms of how you're measuring the success for Signa on social? Uh, the the social ROI question, yes. the, the, the question everybody asks always. So, so, so it's 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 um, actually it's, I'll give you a good improv answer, which is yes and. So <laughs> it's it's yes, it's those things we don't want, we won't dis- discount or or ever not be delighted to see likes and uh, go up and and followers increase. Uh, but I think what we're doing is we're starting, and, and I think many uh, brands and many marketers are starting to do this, is that we're looking at more targeted ways of measuring success and yep. it, and not looking at a one size fits all so in in a campaign of the we may you know the number of shares may be significant for that campaign um, in another campaign, the call to action maybe we want people to uh, complete an application or visit a website or or uh, respond in some other way. Um, if I think of the, my colleagues that work in the uh, service area, and we have a, a team in the U.S. that's dedicated to what's called the Internet Customer Service Team, and they do an amazing job of um, responding and supporting folks who are reaching out to us via the social channels. Yep. So those metrics could be, um, you know, the speed at which we've been able to respond to a, a customer comment, you know, how fast can we um, resolve an issue uh, versus the traditional channels. In some areas, it might be the transition from traditional to social marketing has resulted in uh, reduction in cost in, in, yep. in creating digital materials. So I think as, as businesses get more and more engaged in social media, they're starting to look at just as any other plan or any other channel. What are the metrics that make sense for in in this particular case? 
And so when we do different programs, whether it's a PR campaign or a service initiative or we're, you know, looking uh, at something that's more sales-oriented, each one of those is going to have its own metrics and, and ROI. And we're very clear when we do programs to highlight those KPIs up front. I think that's what's critical. Right. I think if you go back in the, and go, well, a lot of people liked it, and then right. folks might say, yeah, and, and what do I do with those likes? Right. But if you determine at the beginning, these are the five things that are going to indicate we've been successful, and all your partners agree on that, and there's no surprises, then you all know what you're aiming for, and then you know if you did a good job at the end of the day. That's really good advice. I love that about making sure that the KPIs are set up ahead and agreed to and ahead agreed of time. To. Yes. Agreed to. Do not leave to. the room without yes. people signing the KPIs and we're all on the same page. Absolutely. Um, and how, how much, Lori, of your strategy is, you know, kind of community-based and, and overall kind of organic versus paid as you shift, as the networks have shifted to a much more paid strategy? You know, Facebook altered its algorithm and Twitter, their, their ads and all of the all of the different networks are really pushing towards a paid strategy. Are you finding that Cigna is following suit with their social? I think that brands don't have much of a choice. Yep. I think that there's no free lunch and organic is not what it was a few years ago and that brands need to recognize that um, if they want to reach a very specific audience. I think the notion of being able to publish very targeted yep. pieces of content and yep. targeted messages is critical. And so the idea of uh, publishing and, or, and spending a lot of time and effort creating content that's tantamount to running a Super Bowl ad where you reach a gazillion people, but it doesn't really get to the folks who you yeah. were really trying to speak to. So I think that you know, it, we're, it's still early days in, in this field, but I think that marketers are realizing that it's already started to mature enough that um, a pay, you know, a combination of earned, paid, and owned media is, is what's going to, you know, help at the end of the day. And reliance on uh, one or reliance on your organic uh, posting is, is, is probably not going to bring the success that, that one is looking for. Absolutely. And wh what would you describe for Cigna as the biggest challenge right now in social? I think challenges today are related to change management in that there, the world has very quickly become social and organizations um, maybe not as, as swiftly. And so there's a certain amount of time that has to be spent in getting folks to evolve from traditional means of communicating or sharing information or publishing information or marketing. And so I think that the challenge for, for brands today in the social realm is how you bring along your organization uh, to adopt to these new channels. Mm. Um, but I don't think I w a challenge I'd have to put like little air quotes around it because I don't think it's challenge in that it's, it's an insurmountable issue and, and it's going to, you know, cause great stress and drama. I think it's just part of the evolution 
of um, of of a new way of working mm. the same way we saw uh, uh, challenges with the changes in the internet age in in the nineties absolutely. Uh, so you know, change is is sometimes challenging, um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, very invigorating. And and so I think that's that's probably what a lot of organizations uh, will find themselves as the way they do business changes and the way they structure um, their their teams starts to evolve. Yep, it's kind of like what you said at the beginning about becoming a social business. You know, it really mm-hmm. really makes sense around the change management. So tell me. What is the best advice that you've ever been given? Well, I've been given lots of advice. Uh, <laughs> I've been given know. lots of bad advice, too. I've, I've been given lots of I, bad advice. I should um, make a podcast just about bad advice. What's yeah, the bad advice? Yeah, I don't What's know if we have that kind of time. <laughs> we don't. Uh, we don't today. Um, you know, I I uh, I can't think of a, a, a an overtly piece of bad advice, um, but, but I will... I will give you a piece of advice that is a quote that I that always inspires me, and it's something that I tell other women. I've always been very involved in uh, women's organizations wherever I've 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 worked, and love doing mentoring and, and supporting up and coming women. And the quote that I always use is from Madeline Albright, who um, also collects. Uh, costume jewelry pins, which I am also a fan of. Um, so uh, love those retro pins from the 40s and 50s. But in addition to her fashion sense, Miss Albright said, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And that has been a guide for me in how I deal with people and how I hope to be dealt with and how I um, like to support and and um, nurture up and coming talent, and I think that's something that women who um, have are, are further along in their career owe to women coming up in their career, and women owe each other in in the workplace um, that we really need to be supportive and not um, competing against each other. And uh, I just say, if you don't want to go to hell, just help. Help your colleagues out, and all will be good, and I no love one will it. be hurt. I love it. I love it. And so, if you're a young woman starting on your career, do you should you seek out other women at to you know really help you throughout? And what's the best way to approach someone when you when you're looking kind of for somebody to help guide you through your career? Well, so I would uh, seek mentors and support from both men and women. I, I I don't think it's necessarily critical to just, as a woman, to limit yourself to, to women influencers and mentors. I would try to find as many different kinds of people um, who can help you grow in different ways. So there may be a man or a woman whose presentation style you admire or who is a great negotiator or who seems to handle stress and conflict very well. So having a network of people versus, you know, one Uber mentor or sponsor might be the best, particularly as you're in the early stages of of career. And the more folks that one can go to for advice, encouragement, support, I think the better off your 
career trajectory is 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 going to be. I have a, a, a slew of people that I call for various and sundry things, and they're kind of you know in a different niche. You know, yep. it's like someone that I need for oh, I'm I'm having this particular thing going on. I'll call this person, or you know, I need some advice because I'm having a a creative blockage, and I need someone to help me in that. Yep. And and so widen your net and and look for men and women who are in different even in different disciplines than you're in. It doesn't have to be if you're a marketer, you got to go to marketing people. You know, getting that fresh perspective from someone who does something completely different uh, can also be very enlightening. Definitely. I like to talk about having a, a personal board of advisors and how important it is. You know, you can kind of assemble your team of people you can go to around any particular issue or... I, I, Absolutely. It takes a village. It does. It does. (laughs) Well, Lori, thank you so much for being on the show today. I loved having you and thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. And you are one fabulous social lady. Well, thank you. Thank you for including me in all the social ladies. Awesome. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likable.com. This podcast was brought to you by Likable Media. At Likable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. Visit likable.com for more information today.